2: An ode to my mother by Peter Bilker.
3: That would be me. (laughs) Who etched this tattoo in her purple moo moo? Mother. Mother.
2: Who posted my bail every time without fail? Mother. Mother. And who rushed to the car, with my severed thumb in a jar? Uh, father. Father. But who sewed it back on when the doctor was gone? Mother. Mother. Happy Mother's Day,
4: Mom! thank you thank you thank you and thank you hello again fellow basement dwellers and happy belated mother's day to all you moms out there you are once again being welcomed by your good friend patrick o'dowd into another edition of bandwagon nerds bandwagon nerds of course is a part of the chair Shot radio network here on the where we remind you to always use your head
3: TheChairShot.com. Always use your head.
4: And I almost pulled together a second special soundbite because right now, if you've been following along on AdBandWagonNerd's Twitter, you already know this, but it's just the two of us. Just the two of us. Tunny and I. That's right, PC Tunny, Mr. Saturday Night, the live studio audience, joining me here on a slightly sparse so far, edition of Bandwagon Nerds. Mr. Tunney, how you doing, man?
2: Yeah, there could be a run-in. Maybe, maybe not. I'm doing oh, great.
4: Speaking oh, speaking of run-ins, look yeah, at the man. run-in. Run it in right off the bed. The Reverend himself, right after I say just the two of us, the Reverend Ray Cash, Patrick, making his way onto the bandwagon.
2: And Patrick, he's got a steel chair.
4: Oh, by God. By God, he can't hear us yet. Oh, there he goes. Now, now he's nodding. Okay. Hey, welcome Hi. to the show, Reverend Ray Cash. How you doing, man?
3: I am tired, man. It's been a long day. Uh, oh, I'm sorry y'all... to
4: hear that. We are good. We were just we uh, were just getting wrapping up. We were just well. We were just uh, expressing a happy belated Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. We played one of my favorite moments in the Home Improvement television show of all time, where one of the construction crew that would always come on to Tim the Toolman Taylor show. He reads a poem dedicated to his mom, where he, he thanks her for the tattoo that she put on his arm, and for you know reattached a severed thumb. It's I think it's one of the funniest things in that show in the in the land of standard sitcom. Uh, but it you know we're recording here on Sunday on Mother's Day, but this show is dropping on Monday, and and Ray, we got a birthday in the house on Monday. Did you know that?
3: I did, but it's not important. So it's
4: not important. Oh, look at you! Oh, oh, look at that!
3: <laughs> oh,
4: wow, it's very
3: important. It, it, do you mind if I say it, or do you want to have the, You can say. It. You can say. It. It's our good friend, our good brother, and he don't like to call himself this, but the captain of Chairshot Radio Network, not the whole Chairshot in general. That's Greg. But yeah, man, you know, our, our conductor of this little uh, contraption we call the podcast side. Mr. P.C. Tunney's birthday is tomorrow, everybody.
2: Yeah, as we record, it's tomorrow. Uh, as you listen, it's today. And then as you, as you get up tomorrow morning and listen to the 5x5, five five, it'll be one Patrick O'Dowd- O'Dowd's birthday. So, you know. This is and true. Also, shout out to uh, uh, Little Platt. Uh, little Bash, yes, and his birthday was on the tenth. So you know Patrick; he's going to be a smart kid. He's he's got a you know middle of May birthday. So there you go. The so
4: so wait a minute. So yeah. I, I actually didn't know this because I'm not as close with Pat Platt and all you. So the the, the young'un's name is Sebastian. Sebastian. Lil Sebastian? So little Sebastian. Sebastian. Oh okay. Yes. See now I want to go play all of the little Sebastian songs from Parks and Rec that are. Out there, because little Sebastian is a celebrity on the show. He's a tiny horse, by the way. It's not a—he's not a pony. He's a tiny horse, that is the representative yes. of Pawnee. And there is a song dedicated to little Sebastian after he passes away. That is a uh, tribute to Candle in the Wind. But Christopher Platt or Chris Pratt's character wants to make it bigger than Candle in the Wind, so he makes it like ten thousand candles in the wind. It's hilarious. Um, great show, by the way. Underrated show. So. By by some, some people don't love it, and I don't understand. But whatever. Well,
3: I've, I've heard Parks and Rec and Community both are like some of the best two of the best shows you'll ever watch. I've never watched.
4: I, here's the thing: is I haven't. I'm afraid to get into Community. I don't like Chevy Chase. Like that dude's a tool. Mm, fair. Um,
2: fair, 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 fair. They, fair. He plays a total asshole on the show, so you won't you won't feel bad about watching it. Uh, oh, okay. I would say I would put. It's funny you talk about those three shows, you or those two shows. And I there's the office too. The, I w- wouldn't put Community on the level of Parks and Rec. I would put Parks Ooh. and Rec, maybe like with like Thirty Rock, and then the Office is above that. Which is okay, interesting
4: for, for you because I hate the Office. I have tried to watch the Office more than once. I can't stand cringe.
2: it. Are you, is are, is it too cringe for you? Are you embarrassed for them too much?
4: It. I just don't find it funny. Like I don't. And I, and I think Jim is a just he's a dick and like i like this guy's supposed to be the like one of the like dudes we like are like cool with and we love because he's fun and i'm like you're an asshole man i hate you like i can't watch you you're and pam is terrible
3: you're not alone, you're not alone.
4: so so yeah I, I i I'm never could get a show
3: growing contingent of that.
4: It's, and, the, and the difference for me with that and parks and rec is that like all the characters have their faults but at their at their core, they're still all like characters you can root for and kind of get behind, and you want them to do well. And when Leslie Nope is trying to announce her candidacy for city council at a hockey rink, and they don't have enough carpet for them to safely walk to the stage, and then they all keep falling while the song "Get on Your Feet" is playing, it's fucking genius. It's hilarious.
2: Who's the actor that she marries? What's his, Who's um, that? Plays Michael her? Scott.
4: Or Adam Scott. Adam Scott. Michael Scott is the character the, from The Office. I mean, that was The Office. Yeah. I knew that one. Yeah, Adam but
2: Scott. Adam, Adam Scott's character is pretty awesome, too. Yes. You know, especially when you get into, like, the bizarro world where he gets recruited by that firm, and, like, he's the rock star and everything he says is funny, and he has this game board game that he came up with and everything. Cones and Dunshire! Parks and Rec is, is low-key, super underrated, and if you've never watched it and you didn't really know about it, yeah, it's, like, where... Chris Pratt gets his start, you know. Uh there's right. a whole lot of other actresses and actress Aziz
4: Ansari was that like sure. that that kicked off it really took his career off. Um, um
2: what's her name? Um,
4: um oh gosh, she's in Aubrey she's Plaza, like, huh? Aubrey, Aubrey Plaza, like, yeah. Okay. Aubrey Plaza. So. Little doubt also a big fan. There's <laughs> about, uh, what last 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 scene that I will talk about, and it, it does it involves Ron Swanson and Nick Offerman. They go to what like is like the equivalent of Whole Foods. And there is a young man who is offering up samples of meatless bacon. And he offers this meat, he's like, Would you like to try a sample of this uh, totally meatless bacon? And the Ron Swanson character is like, Yes, please. And he takes the piece of bacon and he just throws it <laughs> in the trash. And he looks at the kid and he's like, I'll have another, please. And the kid gives him another one. He just throws it in the trash again.
3: And, and little old the- doubt thinks that's <laughs>
4: genius.
2: What's the name of his ex-wife on the show? Megan
3: Alley
4: plays it. Tammy. Yes.
2: And it, it, and that's his actual real life wife.
4: Right. He has two ex-wives. They're both named Tammy. His mother <laughs> name is yeah. Tammy. Oh my
3: god. <laughs>
2: yeah, it's
4: it's a run. The that. show is the show is brilliant. I love it. It's great. Treat,
3: I'll, just say, I'll just say, don't forget, treat yourself, Jerry. treat yourself.
4: Retta Retta is is on that too.
3: I gotta say, I know Tunny is our Resident SNL nerd. I'm definitely second behind him. But I'm not gonna. We don't have to. I definitely want to start the argument of best cast, but in terms of writing, I think that Tina Fey, um, Amy Poehler group is so good when it comes to writing comedies. Well, it doesn't matter if it's TV, if it's for film, even Broadway, because you know they took Mean Girls to Broadway. I just think they're so talented at that and hearing these jokes, because that's one of the Poehler group of writers. It's just so genius to me. Their understudies host the 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 Tonight Show and
2: the whatever iteration of the late night show you want to call it. After that, and Jimmy Fallon. Oh, and Fallon Steph. and Seth. Yeah, that's right. Like, like
3: Seth is a uh, disciple of Tina Fey. That's right. Good both point. of them.
2: Both of them are. I mean, yeah. if you want to have a coaching tree, you know what I'm saying? Like where you get the bloodline of what? that. That's kind that's of where right. it is. So yeah, it's a very strong time.
4: It's it's yeah, great stuff. Great writers. Great show. Uh, and possibly a five-by-five five in, in our future, I'm sure, at some point the next day. Because every time Mr. Saturday Night and I get together for a five-by-five, five, it's going to be SNL. Ray, since you're on the show, and since this is as good a time as any to plug it, what would you say is one of your favorite
3: musical performances that you saw on SNL? Oh, boy, there's so many good ones. Indeed. Um, man... uh I'm going to give you an underrated one. Okay. One that one of you two would think I'm crazy for. Nick Jonas. I'm not really a about the Jonas brothers. I don't care about that, but Nick Jonas hosted. Yo. Yep. And then when and then his album popped out afterwards called Spaceman. And there's a song there's a song called um Oh shit. It's on my it's on my mind I Um this is heaven. And It was the B song. That is one of my favorite songs I've ever heard in my life. And I heard it on SNL and went directly to Spotify. And like every year, you know, Spotify does that, um, your top songs list. It's always in my top five. And that's been like five years ago. Also, I'm, I'm, I know he's not the most popular dude in the world, but I'm a big JT guy, Timberlake guy. So when... Whenever any guy, any person who does, I, dude, movie,
4: I thought you were gonna go with Kanye. Like, I swear, when you were like, he's not the most popular guy, I thought you were gonna go with ye.
3: The Kanye performance of um, the gospel song with Kirk and and Chance and Dream and um, Faith Evans that was a fire performance, but no, I'm not gonna go Kanye. Um, but I but I did appreciate the Justin Timberlake uh, performance of uh, Suit and Tie and Mirrors. Where he dissed Kanye, while Jay Z performed with him, that was fun. But I mean, I, uh, so many great performances.
4: I I, I love Timberlake. Like I, I low key love Justin Timberlake
3: uh, post in sync. So I think that's dope. That is so talented. You have to be so talented to be able to do both. I think. Oh yeah, absolutely. So dope to me.
4: It's just, it's funny because people always question musicianship from folks that came out of that like era of music. Like they question boy band like musician it's the same thing with Boys to Men by the way before white people killed them and literally like killed the band. Like no I'm not even I'm not even being like Boys to Men sure. was the bit was the boy band. They were the biggest thing on the fucking planet. And then producers were like, well we can put all these white people together to do the same thing. And that's when InSync Boy um not boys InSync um Backstreet Boys Backstreet,
3: ninety eight uh, degrees.
4: degrees like all nice. of a sudden we just fucking flooded it with these white boy band groups, and voice Men got left in the dust and forgot. That's
3: it. on that show we were watching. Yeah, we were, uh, this is uh, this is music. Or this is yeah, pop? this is pop.
4: Yeah, this is pop. Yeah. It was the whole thing. So all facts. fun conversation to kick off the show, and not one I expected, but it kind of works out because we're in this interesting zone where we're kind of waiting for. The next thing to review, and the next thing to really review, is going to be Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, which doesn't come out till June 2nd, and so there's there's no show, I don't think, starting. We are going to talk about Disney's release schedule. That is part of uh, part of the news items today that we're going to cover, but because uh, Secret Invasion is coming, but it hasn't started yet, and so. I think it's the end of May, like Memorial Day or mid-June, somewhere in there. June twenty first. June 21st. So yeah. So we got some time here and we got and June is a banger month for stuff. So we've got you've got the flash. You've got and, and I say that reluctantly because even though I don't want to give Ezra Miller my money, my a good movie. The, the little OD the little old Dowd really he's I he loves the Flash, so I'm gonna see it. We're gonna see Transformers Beast Wars, we're gonna see um, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. We're gonna. What are you doing? What is this?
3: Daddler Boys. Yeah, Daddler Boys. They're all three D. Oh, in three D. I got you. I got you.
4: Uh, and then yeah, Secret they're, Invasion they're, 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 comes out. I. This is it, this is the problem with being able to see what PC Tunney is doing, and the listeners not being able to see PC Tunney. What is <laughs> he I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? Um. So, <laughs> as I always say, there. Well, usually this first segment of the show is when we do things like talk about the show that we are watching and covering uh, on the program and so instead of doing that this week we are just going to talk about what we've been watching tony you're so into 3d you've kept your 3d glasses so that you don't have to get another one out of the wrapper really is that what this is
3: i've had these for five years oh my god same one to every show to every movie Listen, uh, why Why do we have
2: to... Uh, yeah, why? Why I'm not wasting.
4: Well, they recycle them, so you're not wasting if you give them back, either. It's fine. You do you, man. You do you. Can I just and can I something? Can I tell you something? These are mine. Tony, are you single?
2: Patrick, what does that have to do with anything?
4: I'm just saying there might be reasons here. <sighs> oh, my God. I don't know. So... I thought rather than, since we don't have a show to cover, I thought I would just do a quick talk about like just some of the things that we've been watching or what we're watching. And and I'll kick it off with just some of the stuff that I've been checking out that I think people should definitely check if they have the streaming means to do so or just the the means to do so. And I'm actually kind of glad Ray's on this show. Uh, Not because I want to pick a fight, but I definitely want to joke about Air With You. Uh, As I've now watched this movie twice, I saw it in the theaters... And it's actually now streaming. If you have an Amazon Prime account, you can stream it without paying for it, and because it's an Amazon, it's an Amazon movie. Stars, you know, Ben Affleck, Matt Damon, uh, Chris Tucker is in it. There, there were so many people that were in it that I was like, holy shit, this person's it. Like Jay Moore, Jay Moore is in it uh, as as a character. Marlon Wayans is in there.
3: Get the greatest living actor of our time, Viola Davis.
4: Yes, I was getting there. Viola Davis is uh, plays Michael Jordan's mother, and uh, I talked about this a little bit to the guy, to you guys offline, and I, and I talked about it a little bit on the show. I clearly enjoyed this movie. I've seen it twice now. I saw it in the theater. I loved it, and saw it available on Amazon. Told everybody about it in the bandwagon nerds chat, and then immediately watched it yesterday, a second time, and just enjoyed it again, all over again, with with the eyes wide open understanding of a couple of things, it is going to be a love letter to Nike and it is going to be a love letter to Michael Jordan. Uh, and like, you just have to accept that. And, and I thought of Ray the first time I saw it, dude, I swear to God, I thought of you first because they do that thing at the end of the movie where they're showing all the real life people. Right. And like, this is what happened with them. This is where their career went and, and all these things. and, and There's a couple of really cool ones. Like, I think it's a little sad that the guy who designed the original Air Jordan shoe and actually came up with the idea of the Air Jordan logo, the silhouetted logo, he actually died a month before it was announced the movie was going into production. So he never knew that this movie was getting made. And that's, you know, it's just kind of sad. It's bittersweet. Uh, But, you know, of course, they show Michael Jordan. And his Hall of Fame sheets, and, and it comes across that Michael Jordan became the greatest basketball player of all time. Followed by, he is widely regarded by many as the greatest athlete in any sport of all time. And we have had multiple, let's say, spirited conversations in the Chairshot Radio Sports thread about who is the greatest basketball player of all yeah. time and whether I Michael suggested.
2: Jordan can beat. T- my suggestion for the rest of the conversation about air, whether we've seen it or not, I have not, I need to see it. Um, it looks really good. Um, but we should ban any further talk of that. conversation. No,
4: we, we won't fight about it. Um, what I will say is the, the real highlight for me is, uh, cause the, the movie, the, the climax of the film is the, is the pitch to Michael Jordan. So getting Michael, Michael and his family in the room in Oregon and Matt Damon does this monologue that is um, cross cut and I'm sorry if this spoils so much, but it cross cuts footage of like Jordan and his life. And, and and it's more and it's more than just like his career. Like it's his life. And it's I it's really, really well done. The movie Ben Affleck is hilarious as Phil Knight. Like it's it cracked me up. Strongly, strongly recommend this movie. Check it out if you have Amazon Prime because you can watch it now, you don't have to pay any more because you've already paid for it with your Prime account. It's worth the time. It's two hours every day. So that's one for me. What, what do you guys think?
3: For, and for, for the record, anytime there's a Jordan argument, it's never an argument against Jordan. It's an argument for somebody else. So there's sure. one that to be known, I'm not, I am completely okay with calling Jordan the greatest of all time. He's done enough. He got the resume. And he's def- if nothing else, he's the most popular, popular of all time. So I have no qualms with that. I just argue for someone else. That's but fair. Worse too.
4: I, I will say this because uh, I do think a part of your argument, and I think this is a fair thing to talk about, is that there are some who get incensed at the idea that there could be an opinion other than Michael Jordan. Uh, yeah. Very, very, very similar to people who get like when I would argue baseball with, with old folks, and you would try to talk about anybody, say, other than Willie Mays or Mickey Mantle, mm-hmm. like for the longest mm-hmm. time, you could say no ill about Mickey Mantle, ever, ever, to some folks, and that was was it. So I do get that side of it. But the story itself of how this this guy really lobbied to put all of Nike's basketball eggs into the Michael Jordan basket when he didn't even want to go there to hear them is a terrific, it's a great story, it's a great story, totally worth the time, worth checking it out.
3: And if you, if you know the backstory, I, if, for those of you who haven't, if you watch Winning Time, the story about L.A., the Lakers, the um, uh, Dr. Buss, and the, the the formation of Showtime Lakers on HBO or Max or whatever, whatever, whatever it is called huh? tomorrow. Um, the, fantastic show, by the way, personally to me. They, show, they explained that Phil Knight went to Magic first and offered Magic not only less money, than converse, but he offered them like stock in the in the company that today would be worth something like five billion dollars, and he turned it down. so to see now why and then knowing that and then know why they went to the college kid, it kind of makes sense, right um I have not seen it all. I literally started watching it today in the airport before the flight got canceled. Oh, so right. once we get off the call and once uh you know we got game seven today, once that's over, I will be catching it tonight. Um, if I if I may, you may. Um, I finished watching Titans. That's another conversation because that was a very big disappointment. But if you guys, (laughs) sorry to hear that. It you know, but it was it was destined. That's another conversation for another day. You guys want, but if you guys really want to get in touch with your emotions and have a good what you say? Uh, my, what my boy Tony, what my boy uh, Jimmy V said? You uh, three things: laugh, think, and cry in a day. The new season of Queer I just dropped, and I mean the first fucking episode. You are in fucking tears. Like I, I watch every one of those episodes, every one of those seasons. I love them. So um, I can't think of anything off the top of my head that I've watched outside of those things that are new. Um, right, you're watching Ted Lasso. No oh, did what did you think of the, the last episode?
4: I liked it, but it was a little
3: uneven. I haven't watched it yet, by the way. Just saying, no. and I will. You get to it in three years. what Would you say no? Like I, no okay,
4: <laughs> are you are you actually keeping up with the show? Relatively keeping up with the show.
2: I've seen every. I haven't just haven't seen the last season. I'm yeah. going to watch it eventually. When I oh, you haven't watch watched it, the last season yet. No, I haven't watched last season. Because you, you binge days.
4: them, right? You tend to wait till everything's out?
2: Uh, some things I do, some things I don't. The, just have been having haven't had too much time. I have too, not enough things. Uh, it's the next thing I'll watch in a day.
4: I like Ted Lasso season three. I do think that it's a little burdened by this allegedly being the final season, so it's felt a little uneven, uh, but not, not so uneven that I don't enjoy it. Like, I have enjoyed it a lot. It just seems like things have to resolve themselves very, very quickly. Yeah. And so things kind of get fixed really, really fast. Like, they go through it, but they don't, like, it doesn't really feel like they've gone through it quite. Some of it feels unearned.
3: Although I think what happened, the, the crux of episode nine. Oh, yeah, it was good. It did have a good amount of time. Yes. Because that, so, that started in the first episode and then was resolved.
4: Yeah, absolutely. Tony, what have you been watching? What's, what's something you've been checking out?
2: All right. I'm going to give you three quick hitters here. Succession on HBO. I know a lot of people watch that. I believe this is that final season as well. This whole series to me, I am halfway through the season. I think I've missed like, there's been two or three episodes now as of this recording, um, which is towards the end of the season. They all kind of blend. They have the same problem all the time, but it's really good acting. It's the story of the Roy family a media conglomerate, uh, corrupt business, family, politics, bullshit. Um, Check it out. It's, it's it's pretty good uh gordon ramsey what he's got going on next level chef just finished and now he's going to start a new series where he's looking for his next food star someone that he can invest in as like in the next food personality so a little twist on kind of those shows and something i binged yesterday on netflix called king of collectibles ken golden and his firm what a fun watch this is guys let me tell you They're not just doing sports collectibles, and my, has that world grown and become just a legit billion-dollar industry. But we're talking about entertainment and different things like that as well. As Patrick holds up, what would that be? That would be an autographed Stan Musial baseball?
3: Stan the man.
2: That would be. The only autographed ball I have access to at this time would be the Billy Bean ball,
4: but I do have others.
3: Is he the the greatest card of all time, or is that still...
4: It's to me, he's the greatest cardinal of all time. It's like, know. but he's a, like, Ozzy Smith was my hero growing up playing baseball, like as a kid, because oh, I was Gibson. a kid in the 80s. Bob Gibson is my father's favorite player of all time. Um, St- Stan Usual to me, as, as we tangent this really quick, the reason St- Stan Usual is kind of one of those um, transcendent figures of St. Louis not just of the game, and what's fascinating about Stan is because he played in the Midwest, he didn't play in New York or Boston, his his numbers, if you look at his numbers, hold up against anybody in the game. And he just played in a city that, oddly enough, as time has gone on and, like, L.A. has gotten bigger and New York has become New York, his his legacy sort of faded because he just sort of quietly – like, he retired, and then just became a major citizen of the city of St. Louis. And so, but he he's like Tony Gwynn to me in that he's got numbers that are just kind of wackadoo. Like, he has the exact same... He has over 3,000 hits. He's got something like 3,600 hits or something like that. And he has the exact same number of hits on the road as he did at home. Like... That's, like, like weird shit like that that kind of is what makes baseball fun to me is, like, the weirdness with numbers. Um,
3: he he was... He never got thrown out of a game. Like he never got thrown out of a game. Ever. That, like That's a great comparison, though. Tony Gwynn. And, and he played for 20 years. And Tony Gwynn
4: is... And Tony Gwynn is one of the most forgotten athletes at times. And it's, it's only been in recent years as, you know, especially once his passing happened and now his birthday. But, like, you know, that that dude had, God, I don't even remember how many of less, how many seasons of less than 20 strikeouts. Greg Maddox was the same way. Like, just nuts. You guys talk about legends, and this kind of show brings up that
2: different memorabilia. Like, they're selling a, um, a Bill Russell jersey. They're selling a Jackie Robinson jersey. Like, this is an auction firm that's, you know, going out and finding people that are trying to get the most they can for this, getting it on consignment, and then going up and putting up an auction and watching these people bid for it. It's like, it's got a lot of different aspects to it here. Um, it, what what they, they, they didn't sell the Jackie Robinson jersey because the guy wanted $10 million. They could get 7.2, which had already doubled the largest jersey sale of all time. I mean, just stuff like that. He goes down to Puerto Rico, a guy who had this amazing collection of, of different jerseys and everything else, pulls a rack full and leaves them $12.5 million before he's even taking anything to auction. And then the last thing I'll say about it is the card industry not just sports, but Pokemon and things of that nature. You know, we got Logan Paul, whether or not he wants to sell one of his Pokemon cards. We got this trio of Pokemon cards from a certain game that gets sold for $1.5 million. We got these k- box pulls where the uh, Ken Golden goes to fly out with Drake and they pull a fucking Jordan Fleer rookie card out of a, out of a box oh, for maybe six Fleer. Right? They're looking for the LeBron triple logo, but uh, Golden secures that through his firm and ends up being the one to sell it for these people where he leaves them a million dollars to take the card on consignment before it even goes. So some serious fun stuff here. They also did some entertainment side too. So um, an original Apple one they were looking at. So they're getting into the tech side as well. So yeah. I'm really looking for this to blow up on Netflix. The first season's out. It's fun. It's a half an hour. It, six it,
4: it is on. in it. Yeah. It is in its top 10 watches. We covered We We shared the trailer in the trailer park. Uh, a while back and yeah it's very much it's funny you mentioned the pokemon cards i came across a meme the other day that was like you're feeling young you're sitting there relaxed having a good time feeling like a kid again and then somebody po- uh then somebody brings mm-hmm. their pokemon card set to the antiques Rogue Show. uh <laughs> and just tells you that, that that shit's been around for a while and beanie babies beanie babies Yes. Beanie Babies. I remember Beanie Babies was like a huge thing, and then they just sort of disappeared, and now they're kind of making a comeback on but value. Yeah, a,
3: it was such a small time for Beanie Babies, though. Like, right? They, it didn't last. But like,
4: but I remember. Remember year. when McDonald's would have like special Beanie Babies, and people would go yep. fucking ape shit to McDonald's to pick up Beanie Babies. It was a whole deal. All right, I got three other uh, things I want to talk about real quick. We we'll talk about it really, really brief. I uh, if you have Apple TV Plus. Uh, There's a very, uh, very interesting documentary uh, titled Still that is about Michael J. Fox and his battle with Parkinson's disease and where his life is now and what that is like. Uh, It's it's a very it's it's a retrospective on his career and it talks about, you know, his decision to hide it for such a long time. And what's crazy is uh, watching that now, all of a sudden, I want to go back and watch watch some of his movies post-diagnosis because he talks about the tactics that he used to use to hide the fact that he had Parkinson's disease and so I'll, I'll just spoil this one for you all watch his left hand in movies post 1990 and notice that he always has something in his left hand so that he can hide the tremors that was one of the tactics that he would do is and they showed him like in a, I can't remember what the movie is where he's in a hotel as like a hotel manager but he's always twirling a pin in his left hand uh, and stuff like that and he did that to hide his Parkinson's. I would imagine a
2: great place that you could find
4: it in every in every half hour would be his Spin City episode. episode. Oh yeah yep. Spins, and Spin City yeah that was and it was during that time when he finally had to announce uh, because it was getting to the point where he couldn't hide it. Um, I also checked out uh, a 30 for 30 on Jeanette Lee. and for those of you who don't know who Jeanette Lee was, Jeanette Lee was the queen of professional billiards in the 90s and early 2000s. The Black Widow? Yeah, the Black Widow of of billiards. Uh, and, of course, they held it for Asian Pacific Islander Month. That's why they waited to air it. Uh, what is really interesting, and for me it was like, oh, what is she doing now? Because I hadn't, no, you know, she kind of disappeared. She has cancer. Uh, has stage four terminal cancer. Like, she is going oh. to die soon and or maybe not soon but like she like it's this thing you're like watching this documentary and i'm sorry to spoil this for anybody like you're watching this documentary it's a story about her career and it's going really great and you learn like she was dealing with crippling back problems her whole life because she had scoliosis like she had a bent back that was like shaped like a question mark and so she would wear braces all the time and like literally bending over a pool table to shoot would cause her pain it's this amazing story and then it's crushing at the end. And, and, you know, and she's talking about how she's facing it. Uh, but it was crazy because it doesn't even register. Like, she has short hair at the time when, you know, she's like, oh, she got her hair cut. No, it's because she's, she's going through chemo. And, and so she has her. It's, it's a beautiful documentary, though, and it's worth mm-hmm. the watch. But I, I would have never thought about. Like, it just was crazy because she's one of those, like, she was huge. In the world of billiards, and was all over ESPN. And ESPN 2 in particular. Like They talk about how women's billiards really helped ESPN 2 make it as a network for a long time because it was just always on. Uh, so check that out. It's definitely a good watch. Especially if that was something you remember fondly like I do. And then last, uh, Star Wars Visions, the uh, animated series that dropped on Disney Plus for May the 4th. The little Odan and I have started watching it. The, uh, the first episode is some of the most beautiful animation I've ever seen. It's called the Sith. It's it's awesome. It's awesome. It's epic. It tells a great story. And the Little O'Dowd has decided we will watch each of them individually together. And he will rate them on a scale of mm. one to five uh, into their awesomeness. And he gave this one a four and a half. Um mostly because he didn't want to give something a perfect score, because he's like his old man and believes you? nothing yeah. is
3: perfect. Yeah. So you should have you should, ha- you should if, I know you might not want to come on here, but you should actually Give his ratings uh, once y'all done on the show.
4: I have thought about that uh, as as a, as again an alternative podcasting opportunity in in days when Dave cannot make the show, like uh, like today. However, uh, we've only watched the first episode so far. Uh, we we'll, we'll, we but we really we're on board all the way, and it's it was so great. It's a great the first episode really knocks it out of the park early. So so I yeah. So, uh, I think there's eight or nine um they're all short though they're all like you know 20 minutes or so um tops Uh, it's more
3: about the animation than it is the story
4: no that's i disagree with that like wholeheartedly like season one of visions in particular um because it's 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 Looking at the Star Wars universe, you, we this is one of my... Here's why I like this show so much. I, I guess I'll say this. Part of the reason why I like this show so much is because it does not focus on any characters that you know from Star Wars movies, film, or whatever. It is really, truly an expansion of the universe. It's nine episodes, by the way. Um, nine episodes. And each story is its own sort of thing. And in the first season, it was all done through different Japanese studios. So they're all very anime-focused. But... Like it's like a it's like a re-embracing of, the like, the samurai kurosawa sort of style stories, like Jedi are a big focus in, in a lot of them because that's really what the Jedi were were samurai, uh, and George Lucas's love of kurosawa film, and, and volume two. So the first the first one, like I said, is titled Sith. It's directed by Rodrigo Rodrigo Blas, who also uh, wrote it. And it's animated by the studio Algieri. And it's it's just so great uh, and well done. And it tells this story of uh, a, a Jedi is trying to escape the Sith. And that's all I want to say about it because I don't want to ruin the, the show. But I have thoroughly enjoyed Star Wars Vision because it intentionally expands on a Star Wars universe and tells you stories Involving the Star Wars universe, but outside of stories we already know, it gives you something new. Strongly recommend. Quick
3: question. Yep, I promise you it's quick. Is it canon?
4: Yes. Okay. It's canon, but it's not connected to story. Like I said, it's not connected to stories that you know. It's just extraordinary
3: sure. if, it, if it just knowing that it's actual canon in, in the world, that that was part of the reason why I didn't want to, I didn't watch it because it was just like just to do something to do it. It's cool. I'll catch it whenever. Right. knowing that it's canon it makes me want to actually keep it.
4: Yeah, now, they, now there hasn't been any nods to anything yet that I've seen in, in kind of what we'd say are canon tales. In season one, there is a job of the Hutt connection uh, oh, yeah. in one of the episodes, in one of the shows. So there is that. All right. So there you go, everyone. That is what the nerds have been watching. A uh, nice way to fill off a starter segment. We're going to take our first commercial break, and then when we come back... Patrick O'Dowd might relent on a rule he usually enforces, but you'll have to stick around through the commercial break find to find out what it is. Rave. Or, now you've lost your privileges because you couldn't keep the secret on the tease. Instead, everyone, we're going to fire PC Tunny. We're going to fire PC Tunny when we come back. You're listening to Bandwagon Nerds here on the Chairshot Radio Network, part of the Chairshot.com. You had a chance, Tony, and you blew it. You I blew it.
2: No chance to the hell we were gonna get to be able. There, there was a band. tease. Like, I, thought,
4: I had set I up the like, tease. I was gonna. It was gonna be a surprise for the two of you. And instead of banjo music, ladies and gentlemen, you now get this. That's what you get. Uh wop wop, wop 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 Ray. If you have any feelings you'd like to express to your good friend PC Tunney for spoiling your chance at the banjo, now is your chance.
3: Well, you know I, I'm with Tunney enough, where he's sold me out to drive many times. This isn't the first. What?
4: Oh snap!
3: Wow. Yeah, I, it's
4: it's it's interesting because because I was ready to I was ready to relent, and now, well, here we are, and so we're just gonna walk into a soundless trailer park and get rolling with it. With a a a mix of trailers, I will I will say I intentionally saved the one for last that I saved four for last because there was a general level of excitement about the final tra- final trailer that I, I don't personally have. Like I like I'm glad other people want to see this movie. I'm like, eh, no. Uh, but we're gonna start with artsy fartsy crap. Uh, this was shared by Aesop Mitchell. Uh, but I almost short shared this as well. It is a trailer for the film Poor Things, which is a surrealist science fiction comedy directed by Yorgos Lanthimos. Say that five times fast. It is starring Emma Stone, who is a... I don't know if she's a machine or a human who's brought back to life by a doctor and unnamed Godwin Baxter. He's played by Willem Dafoe who kind of is looking after Emma Stone as his ward, who wants to see more and more of the world. Mark Ruffalo is also in it as a uh, a debauched lawyer. This is coming straight off the premise that I'm reading about. And you really don't get a whole lot as to what's going on here, other than that she wants to learn and is seeking some modicum of freedom or rights. Uh, and I guess we'll have to wait and see when this, when this film hits, uh, as it's scheduled to, to hit here in 2023. Um, I'm interested in this cause it's the type of highbrow science fiction that I get behind. And, uh, it's based on a novel by the same name and stove, Mark Ruffalo, Willem Dafoe, Rami Youssef, Jared Carmichael, you know, really strong set of actors, I don't think this is going to be every person's cup of tea. I see this as being a movie that makes enough money for the type of movie it is. Uh, might be one of those that gets awards buzz if, it, if it's good. Um, but I also don't see this being a box office smash, if you will. Uh, but I'm in. I'm in because I, I think it, it looks cur- it looks great. It has an intriguing story and a strong, strong, strong cast. Gentlemen, I'll start with Ray. Uh, to continue Tony's punishment and Ray, you you may go first uh, in this in this
3: one. So in terms of watching it, I need to see more not, right. there's not much I want't watch if it's on TV or on streaming. For me to want to actually go and find it, I need to see more. But if I can get on just my quick high horse real fast, this is part of the reason why I don't fully notice the key word there, the, the modifier fully. Believe in this? Uh, oh well, big studios and 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 blockbusters are ruining the ruining the the, the scene. That movie has five five of the best actors in the world. Two of them have recently, if I'm correct, recently won best actor or best supporting actor. So like, if these little you call it a highbrow film, which is probably what it, or artsy fartsy. Both of those I think are. Qualify, to describe it here, and I bet you didn't cost a whole lot of money.
4: No, you know, I don't think it did.
3: They, they, this happened all the time. So, like, it's not that the blockbuster is killing it; it's that you're not getting the people who watch watching interested. So, just want to step on that horse real fast because you know, being a comic fan and a blockbuster fan, Fast Ten is coming out, and I know I get a lot of shit, jokingly, of course, not literally, about being a Fast. Like obsessed with the Fast Universe. These things, I love them, but I love them because the story got me into it, right? If that, I mean,
4: we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna gonna talk about a movie. We're gonna talk about a movie at the end of the trailer park that people are gonna see in droves.
3: Good point. That that, I forgot. that, That I
4: won't. That I won't even argue. Will will be a kind of quote unquote better movie than Poor Things. And, and it's no, all subjective, right?
3: Why, like, yeah, I just wanted to point that out. You know that, like, these these. I, don't get me wrong; they're they're fighting from behind, but you ain't fighting from too behind if you can get Emma Stone and Rami Yusuf and Mark Ruffalo and and Gerard Carmichael and who's the other guy that was in it? Uh, <laughs> did you say Willem Defoe? Willem, Willem, Willem the Willem the fucking Defoe. Like, <laughs> you, you're not doing too bad, bro. I'm just saying.
4: Study, your thoughts on this film that you're going to go see in the theater and IMAX in IMAX and 3D?
2: I mean, William Defoe. I mean, come on. Uh, yeah, the cast. The cast is just... It makes you go, okay, there's got to be some... The cast brings some legitimacy to you going, okay, this could be done all the right way, because it looks weird. It just looks weird. Yeah, it, it definitely It It looks.
4: It looks out there.
2: As visually stunning as it is, it's just like, okay what's the story that goes with this? What's the story that makes this not just something that was like, oh, but it was artsy or, oh, but it looked cool. No, you want to hear, man, that was just wild. And it looked amazing. That's what you want to hear. So I don't know. It's, these things are hard to execute. I mean, we talk about the few successes of, of this type of movie, but there's an infinite number of failures that we don't talk about that try to execute this kind of thing. So I'm skeptical uh the cast obviously helps but we'll see i don't know i will wait to see what other people think about this
4: yeah i'll be um you know in september when this thing comes out on theaters in theaters it'll kind (laughs) of yeah i know you will you will be going but I, i i don't know i i don't know it's like the type of movie it's like would i pay to see this in the theater i don't know that i would uh, and that's not a knock. I'm not even trying to be a knock on the film. It's just, I don't know. So we'll have to wait and see. Let's move on to uh, a Disney Plus film that is coming out in the very, very, near, very, very near future about one of, if not the most popular snack foods of all time, the Flamin' Hot Cheeto. Disney Plus is re- releasing a film. Flamin' Hot, directed by Eva Longoria, that tells the, uh, the fictionalized sort of account, like the account of the development of the Flamin' Hot Cheeto by Custodian... Uh, what was the guy's name? I'm going to lose the name. Uh, hold on, give me one second to back up. Back to the top great podcasting, Patrick, Richard Montanez, Montanez. I'm not there. sure. We left you there to die on the side of the road. It's fine. I was, you... I was
3: watching the trailer, so I couldn't help at all. I'm sorry.
4: Fair enough. Uh, a, a janitor that worked for the Frito Lay company that uh, claims it has claimed in real life for a long time. And in this story, tells the story of how he came up with the idea to create the flame and hot Cheeto flavor. Now, There is some dispute as to whether or not he really did it. There's a whole article on the LA Times. That's irrelevant for the purpose of this, because the trailer, the little O'Dowd, who loves everything spicy, he identified with the small child who would take a bite out of something and be like, oh my gosh, it burns, it burns, it burns! In a good way. (laughs) That's how he feels about spicy food a lot of times. Uh, I also can't lie that there's a, a Cool Ranch Doritos gag in the trailer, where I as a as a fellow white person who loves uh, Cool Ranch Doritos and the guy is looking at his buddy is like who eats this stuff and a white suburban mom grabs the Cool Ranch Doritos and puts it in her bag <laughs> right in front of him that was that was some funny shit uh, I don't know I, lo- I, I don't know if it's because air was so good that now I'm like you know what I kind of want to learn about the, these accounts even if it might be you know enhanced for film. To see how the Flamin' Hot Cheeto came to be, I watch that on Disney Plus. Tony would you watch this on Disney Plus? Because that sounds where it's gonna hit. I don't know if it's hitting theaters.
2: It looks fun, doesn't it? Right. Um, and it, but if you're gonna watch these things, you have to go in and, and suspend your disbelief. Like, don't go search out the facts, you know, hardcore before you go watch it. Do it after. Enjoy the watch, right? Enjoy the story they try to tell you, and then go back and kind of find out what's real and what's not. I think you're just gonna have to enjoy the way they kind of you know, uh, Hollywood eyes, these stories is what I'll say. Um, Right. I, 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 also enjoyed the fact that they get across the point of what eating spicy food is. It's, it's about getting to a limit. It's about how much can you take? And it's about the fact that when those different things in your taste buds are firing those neurons into your brain that make you feel a certain way, not only is it slightly uncomfortable, but it becomes an obsession on a short-term basis of wanting to continue to get that sensation over and over again. So as someone that enjoys spicy food, when I've talked about it many a times on many a different podcasts, uh, especially, you know, trying to get the hottest wings I can at any place I go to, as long as they're boneless because folks don't eat that, you know, don't touch your eyes, even if you're doing, um, you know, the spicy chips too. But
3: yeah, it looks cool. It looks fun. So, you guys know I'm from an urban area. Tunney, born and raised in an urban area. Patrick may not have been born in one, but he went to school in one and lives near one now. So, with that being said, this movie was made for every 10- to 45-year-old black and Hispanic woman ever. Because if you've ever been to school, that's all the fuck they eat. It's those damn flaming Hot <laughs> So, me and my girls will be watching this. To the, I like the comparison to air. Because there is... There are so many fun, quirky, interesting stories about how the stuff we use every day is made. And we just go about our life thinking, eh, well, you know, I'm using the computer, oh, big deal. Not knowing, well, do you know what these books had to do to get this thing on your desk? And something as quirky as Flamin' Hot Cheetos, like, we just had the conversation about Beanie Babies and Pokemon cards, right? These stories are so... Right now, one of the biggest uh, movies on Apple Plus is Tetris. With, I uh, haven't watched it yet, director. but
4: I'm ready to watch that too. I can't wait to check that Same. out.
3: Same this week while I'm in. The, while I'm, in I, I, I uh, picked.
4: Uh, I picked. I picked. Still over it. I picked the Michael J. Fox documentary yesterday. Over. It. I might watch it after we record today. It's a good idea. By the way,
3: I watched. By the way, I watched Ghosted with Anna Dearmas and um Chris and um Captain Chris Ed. Evans. Yep. very fun. Very fun. Cool. Cool. But but those stories are interesting. And oh yeah, for 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 streaming that just needs content. Hour and a half of that, it don't, it's not going to cost you a lot of money. Yeah. Give it to me.
2: Let me give you the cooking tip, okay? Because you mentioned Cool Ranch Doritos, and now I think I want to try Flaming Hot Cheetos as an additive to my batter when I fry fish.
3: Oh, yeah. My, yeah, oh, I mean, that's, that's a classic. Even, We've been doing that in the south for a minute, brother. That's not that's new yeah. to Milwaukee.
2: No, I've been putting I've been putting Cool Ranch in with saltines. Uh, that's my that's my fish fry batter. But now I'm going to try, uh, Flaming Hot. I don't okay. think the ratio is going to be as high, but we'll do it.
4: to spice it up. Very nice. Uh, just again, as I look at some of the people who uh, Eva Longoria was able to pull the cast for this, Tony Shaloub is playing the top executive for for the Frito Lay Corporation. Dennis Haysbert. Uh, you might remember him in all of your Allstate commercials. Uh, I think he's the Allstate guy. Um, the part
2: where he tells him, okay, yeah, tell him tell him that, but in your voice.
3: <laughs> yeah. Matt first, Walsh. The first, the first black president, important note. Yep, yep. Black president.
4: But, uh, yeah, I, uh, yes, yeah, strong cast, looks great, looks fun. Uh, and, yeah, so count me in. Alright, another series that I, I wasn't sold on until I actually saw a full trailer, and I, I gotta be honest, I don't know that I'm still f- sold yet. The, you know, on Max Gremlins, Secrets of the Mogwai, is coming out. We got a full, longer trailer that sort of goes deeper into the lore of this. And again, I want to talk about the people who are attached to this series, which makes me immediately say yes this is worth checking out matthew reese ming na wen james hong bd wong gabrielle ne- nevia i always pronounce her name wrong uh, sandra o oh, randall park george takai zach galligan i mean tons of talents have lended their voice to this and it's It's definitely told through the lens of being like a lore filled like origin of like learning about Mogwai from the famous Gizmo or Gremlins movie, Gremlins 2 and Gremlins as well. A lot of emphasis on mysticism and Asian culture, which I think is going to be very interesting and great to see. Um, I just did. I don't know. And I thought it was going to go in this direction, you know, and that that was, like, it, it looks like this big, like, save the world sort of event. And the thing that I really loved about the Gremlins movie and Gremlins 2, the new batch, is there's this big problem that, that is contained within these small communities. You know, the first one, it's a small town of Bedford Falls. And the second one, it's the the Clamp Tower, where it's all about we can't let these things get out into the world this one feels much more like we're making this an epic in-scope Gremlins movie or show. And I just don't know if that's what I want out of my Gremlins entertainment. So I'm, I'm still on the fence about whether or not I, I'll probably check out the premiere, uh, see that first episode, and, and we'll go from there. But I'm still I'm, un, I'm unsure about this. Ray, what about you?
3: You, you hit on my problem with it. I, I, Gremlins was one of my favorite movies as a kid. Growing up, you know, my, my family used to call me Gizmo for a little while as a kid. Um, I know I'm going to sound hypocritical because for the last trailer, I just said it's cool to see the behind the scenes of these things. I don't need to know where the, how, where the, where the bodies are buried. I don't want to know how, what the, <laughs> the, the backstory of the Gremlins. The, the fun, part of the fun of Gremlins are not knowing what they are and why they, where they come from. It's just seeing them do these crazy things and figuring out more about them in real time. I don't want to see the prequel. And I have no doubt it'd be good. Like you said, I'll give the first episode a shot. I have no problem with that. And if I'm honest, I while I'm not for it, I'm surprised it took 3 decades to think about bringing them back. Right? Cuz the second Grimms movie came out in like 91. So yeah, I'm yeah. surprised it took I'm surprised it took this long. But no, I I'm I'm not I'm not against the uh voice acting and the people attached i'm not against um you know the medium the the animated animation i'm not against any of that i'm against the idea of telling me where gremlins come from i don't want to know i don't want to know
4: so so Tony, do you want to know where gremlins come from i mean ray, is- ray does ray does ray does not want to know
2: yeah, Ray has got like the George Lucas stance on Yoda and you whether know, their species origin and shit like that. As it far as it doesn't
3: how, help, how how I,
2: go. Um, I don't. I just don't care enough. Um, <laughs> I think the Gremlins movies were cute and they were fun, but I mean, it, even if I did like animation, unless it's a certain type of animation, like kind of like the blockbuster Disney kind of thing, it just really doesn't get put that high up on my list and we talked about the amount of things to watch. It looks good. It looks interesting. It looks like it can cross a lot of genres. Some that haven't really been introduced to gremlins with those who maybe have, you know, parents and kids like that. But for me, not on my radar, really.
4: Fair enough. Fair enough. And I I do think this is a show that might be challenged to find some traction. We'll see uh, what happens. And, And as we know, in the world of streaming, you don't find traction right away, it can lead to cancellation shortly thereafter. All right, last trailer. I, so here's the deal. Guys, I'm going to let the two of you talk about this last trailer because I don't care about this movie. I'm not going to go see this movie. You all can enjoy going to see this movie and, and, and have fun. I will say that, you know, so long as Jason Statham is running around punching and kicking things, people are going to be fine with the overall film. This movie is going to make a ton of money. You're not going to go see this movie? Wow,
3: I'm surprised. Seriously. Solidarity. Solidarity between the two of you. Wow. Of course, I, I, I'm not even trying to poo-poo people to who, who, who do like shirts. it. Sure.
4: Like, but okay, let's get to it. There's a trailer released for Meg to The Trench. Like, what, what Jason Statham is back.
2: What part of you, having known me for as long as you have, makes me think, oh, I want to go watch this movie? I don't know, because
4: every time I try to guess what you are or aren't going to see, I'm wrong anyway. So why would I be fucking wrong about this one, too? And, every and time I try to anticipate...
2: Time. This is more of a horror movie. Why do I want to go see is it? Is it really,
4: though? It's, it's, it's kind don't of don't stupid like horror, comedy. horror comedy.
3: I don't yeah. like, like Jaws, either. Yeah, but Jaws... That well, that's just scary. blasphemous, man. That's just... Yeah, like... Yeah, but and, and, Jaws and, uh, is also very serious.
4: Yes.
2: I will not. I will not suffer such treatment on my birthday. <laughs> well, you are
4: suffer all of the treatment. Okay, so I here's the thing: is yeah, the basic story looks like Jason Statham is back as his character Jonas Taylor, who fought off the Meg in the first one. This time, there is a trench deep in the ocean, where apparently prehistoric, untouched, uh, denizens. Are coming forth to attack people. And I mean, the, the basic concept of this movie and, and these movies in general is just huge monsters eating all kinds of people, and then apparently Jason Statham riding around on a jet ski defeating them in some way, shape, or form. Because um, he's Jason Statham, and it's fine. So Ray's very excited about this. We'll let Ray go last. Tony. You refuse to see this. Why? Why? Why do you refuse to see this? It's Does just, it just I'm look not, too dumb?
2: I don't. I don't like the whole underwater thing either. It's kind of just scary, unless it's like a nat geo thing. I don't know. Just it's that and heights and like you know the the thriller kind of horror kind of suspense scare surprise thing. It it's not for me. Um, it looks well enough, but yeah, eh,
3: eh, no.
4: All right. So, Ray,
3: fair, absolutely fair.
4: Go crazy, buddy.
3: Get excited. First and foremost, let me say this I think, again, you guys know me well enough to know that the comic book enthusiast that I am, my favorite form of movies is probably disaster movies. I love them, I live for them. So, number one, this was already in my wheelhouse. Number two, for as absurd of of a plot an idea this movie is, it it touches on very real pretenses, which is we don't know what's in the Mariana's Trench. And the deeper you get in the ocean, there's another subset of fish or species that we've a lot of we've never seen before. This is legitimately real. Now, I'm not saying there are megalodons down there, but, this, but, but it I plays thought, on that pretense. That's, but, but you kind of wanted you wanted to like tiptoe onto that line right there, didn't you? Well, no, no, I didn't because I'm not I'm not gonna say some stupid shit. But I'm just saying, I it, it played the best move, the best movies, the best shows, stuff like this. Play with true the truth, and then they come with the absurd shit. Twenty twelve played on truth, on true pretenses, and it's all bullshit, right? So. I'm not, again, I'm not saying there are megalodons down there, but I'm just saying this this is very much a movie, which a lot, like a lot of movies, of man meddling with science. That was the real pretense, the real plot of the first movie. Man, man messed with science too much, and it came back and bit him in the ass. This just doubles down on it. So, the absurdity is going to be fun. Uh, Jason Statham, again, is one of our best He's got to fight everybody and kill them guys in the world. And look, man, sometimes you just want to watch something for an hour and 45 minutes and turn your brain off and just be like, this is dope. This is one of them. And at least it's, you don't have to have a bunch of stupid explosions like Michael Bay. So, it, hey, it, is,
4: it is why I watch um, Nicolas Cage movies.
3: There you go.
2: I will right? view the moment in the trailer where the girl taps on the glass and is like, this is Megalodon proof or Meg proof, and she turns around and is like social media queen talking to her friend and just
3: gets... And that plays off of a scene in the first movie where the little well, there's a little girl walking down there and she sees it and she's like, that thing big. And it tries to bite the glass and just leaves cracks. So it plays off of that because it's in the same pretense but this time... It's a bigger mag. And by the way, the first movie (spoiler alert) is two mags, not one. <gasps> is it the Is it the same girl? Maybe. No, no, no. Because this girl is so Jonas. Um, oh, or, I don't uh, care. I don't care. <laughs> well, for those people who do care, no. besides, men, uh, um, uh, uh, <laughs> um, Jason uh, Statham's character, um, the main person who's running the company, not not um. Uh, fucking Dwight, whatever his name is, that dude, like, um, the the dude who's running the actual outpost, his daughter, that's her daughter, and that's who, her and, uh, Jason Statham get together at the end of the movie, right? But it's her little girl, and she was raised on that rig. She, I had no idea Ray was like.
4: No, raise, baby. raise deep into the lore. This is like me You're talking about baby. Lord of the Rings right now. Like this is like I'm me talking about the history of the Smarillion. Uh, And so, oh. bandwagoners, if you want to get all of your Meg Meg Two news, backstory, and lore, contact I, got... the Reverend Ray Cash at It's Me DPP. All right, thank you, everyone. We are going to move into some news around the Nerdosphere and. This past week, and, I, dude, I could have, guys, I just want to tell you, we we came dangerously close to just doing a Disney-centric quarters earnings report show this week because there was a ton of stuff that came out. We're, we are going to talk about two big news pieces, or one big news piece that came out of this that I'm intrigued to see how it works. Uh, but before we do that, one of the things they did do, is they put out a pretty comprehensive release schedule of both upcoming film and uh, television slash streaming projects. I'm not going to really talk about the theatrical release schedule because nothing has really changed. It just sort of solidified things we know. I will say it, it it always takes me a minute to remember that Disney owns Fox now when I see these things and you see something like the Boogeyman and I'm like, wait a minute, Disney? Oh, 20th Century Fox. Like they own, they own twenty five Fox Searchlight. They own Fox Searchlight. So Poor Things is on their release schedule for September eighth. Um, and so, like as I was looking at this, I was like, nuh-uh. and then I was like, "Oh wait, no, this all makes sense." Um, we've seen some trailers for some of these. Tunney had talked about Next Goal Wins as an interesting film that he wanted to check out. The last time we were talking about upcoming movies, um, amongst other things, I'm really excited for things like. The Haunted Mansion movie. Uh, again, Little doubt has a lot to do with that. Uh, and um, Wish, oddly enough, uh, intrigues me. So there's that. But I really wanted to get down to key upcoming Disney Plus and Hulu releases. And ask you some questions about things that I, I guess I didn't catch on to. And, and whether or not you noticed. Because we did get some announcements of some release dates up to June so june 22nd is the last sort of release date that they drop for the fx season uh, of the bear we we talked about it earlier in the program secret invasion drops june 21st uh one had no idea that they had turned white men can't jump into a series uh that apparently is releasing on hulu and a movie a is movie. the movie so it's a remake of the 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 wesley it's snipes woody movie. harrelson movie
3: with uh, Jack Harlow, the rapper, and Cinque Walls, who, uh, where would you know him from? He uh, he played um, um, Don Cornelius in the TV show.
4: Okay. I, I, hope, it's,
3: I hope it's good, because I would have never tried to do anything with that. That movie is so that, iconic. Right. Oh, that is a
4: movie. gutsy decision.
3: And I think Tiana Taylor's playing Rosie Perez's character, if I'm not mistaken. I, oh, gotcha. hey, Billy. Billy, come back. Let's squoo. Yeah, man. I don't... I'm. I haven't heard good things about it, so... Right.
4: That never good, never good. But here's one thing that I did notice and wanted to see if you guys noticed this too, because I didn't understand this to be so. June 21st, we get Secret Invasion. But if you look at the back half of that schedule, it says release dates not yet announced, titles listed in alphabetical order, so it doesn't even say when. Secret Invasion is on there again. Secret Invasion is two parts. Did I not know this? Did I miss this? No, oh, they're releasing... A...
2: I thought they were releasing the first half at one point and the second half at another point. That's, I what think that's... That? Something's getting released right that, like that and I can't remember what. i seen I, it in the
3: theater. That I, it looks, it. looks, I that looks I think that like just a typo. Thing. I think it's just a typo. It's gotta be just a typo. Because it's only six episodes.
4: Maybe part one is only six episodes. That's what I'm saying is, do... And, and maybe it is a typo, and maybe I'm just imagining this. Well, but never, if this is
3: advertised, this all that was left on on the TV's portion this right year was Secret Invasion, Loki, and X Men that I'm surprised snuck in for the year because I thought they pushed it back to next
4: year. Still says X Men '97 season one, but in, in true Disney fashion, because they love to do this with dates all over the place, not just with their shows, but with theme parks. Um, They'll, they'll sometimes just, they'll say it's coming in the fall or it's coming, you know, like that the very non specific release date. So, Sonny, are you trying to see if you can find anything about this? Because I think that's really interesting.
2: No, I, I just see that June 21st, six episodes. I can, I got to figure it out what, what I heard because something has a double release that they're doing the first part and then the next part another time later. I feel like this might be it. Like they might've shown that when, in Guardian? Didn't Guardians have a a, a Secret Invasion trailer?
4: No. I don't, uh, mine didn't. Mine didn't. I mine had a didn't. Marvel's
3: trailer. Yeah, that was the only Marvel I thing that they too. had.
2: Maybe it was the one before. All right, anyway, continue on. Huh. I do have so, one thing I want to talk about from this list, though. No, go for it. Magazine Dreams.
4: What is that about? Well, I didn't even look it up.
2: It's a story of a bodybuilder who takes it too far and the Permanent damage that you can cause in chasing those, you know gotcha Picture's
3: your
2: picture so good. You know who the star is?
3: Jonathan Majors. Oh Jesus Christ, you're kidding me. That reminds me, Jonathan Majors was supposed to be the star in the movie playing Dennis Rodman. So it's just like and that would make so much sense because physically they look alike. Jonathan Major's from Dallas. Where is your boy? Uh um Dennis Rodman from? Dallas. So like yeah okay
4: okay Okay. yeah i just i don't know what to make of the jonathan majors thing right now it's gone awful quiet we We know
3: for sure he's gonna be in loki because it's finished loki is done
4: yeah there's not well it's just even what disney's gonna do with him like it's just like they they keep saying i don't know i just don't know um I do have to I do have to point this out. I kinda if you're if you're going on vacation in California, I'm sure Dave can give us a full resort uh, report on this one. But Rogers, the musical, the stage show, debuting on June twenty third, twenty twenty three. I I'd be disingenuous if I didn't say I'm very curious <laughs> about how that's gonna go. Because uh, you know that's gotta be
3: awesome. That's gonna be super fun. I hate it. No, go ahead, finish that thought. I was going to say, I hated that shit when, the first, when I first saw it at the beginning of Hawkeye. And by the end of that series. It grows on like, you. I want to go see it so bad.
4: Because <laughs> <laughs> it's cause it, And that's the thing is, it's so Broadway. Like that just silly overproduction goofiness of a Broadway show. And they really embrace yeah. it. I, I enjoyed it thoroughly. Tony, go ahead. How does Indy do at the box office? It's going to do big the first weekend. And then if it is trash, it'll
3: die quickly. It's funny you mentioned that because there's that and then what's the movie before it um um no um I think you know there has been a lot of controversy about how Disney kind of hurt the release of uh what's the movie with uh they just had the with the with the gay kid uh it's a, it's a it came out last year, but it was like an animated movie. But they didn't, they didn't do like strange, a. Lot of strange, uh, strange, strange yeah, world. Strange world, yeah. How many commercials have you seen for Elemental?
4: Yeah,
2: I've gone to see. I've seen a preview for Elemental. I didn't mean on previews.
4: I, mean I on honestly, TV. I, I, yeah, I don't know that I've seen. It's been Little Mermaid everywhere.
3: Yeah, That's but what they it, pushed. Oh, when does Elemental come out? June fourteenth, I believe.
2: Okay, so you'll the start middle to of see June. It. That's that because that's because that's like a hard push the two weeks before. That's kids have short attention span.
3: Yeah. Uh, yeah yes. And trying to get to watch it. Yes. And, yeah. I was uh, going to say I,
2: the main demographic though.
4: So, so here, here's the thing. The, the
2: kids have to ask to go if they're not interested. Kid, they're kids. To they don't want buddy, the guys, to go. Guys, guys,
4: guys, guys, dad's talking. Um, so here, 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 yeah, both of you sit down and now um i'm gonna here's where i would agree with ray nba finals are being played on nbc or abc right now disney-owned company uh and i get that we're trying to push the little mermaid that trailer that first trailer hit god forever ago we're now in the home stretch we've had a trailer we've had a trailer or two for elemental uh, online and And that's been about it. But it's been kind of radio silence ever since. We haven't had those 30-minute commercial spot or 30-second commercial spots that I would expect to see. Now, I would fully expect that you're going to get an Elemental trailer in front of The Little Mermaid come Memorial Day weekend. And that I would expect that the push to follow there. But a couple weeks in front of it, that is a little dicey. That is... And and this is Pixar, so... um, Yes, the
3: history... The only Pixar movie that did not get like a big push was Soul, and we understood why. Because it came out on Disney Plus in the middle of the pandemic right at the beginning. Other than that, these Pixar movies get huge pushes.
4: So, who knows? It does feel like something's a little off with their timing. There's also just so much content. Uh, I want to get to the one more thing before we go into our final uh, commercial break and then talk about a couple more topics. We haven't really discussed this, but this news has been floating around for a little while. And that is that um, in our wonderful, nostalgia-filled world of movies that maybe we didn't necessarily ask for, but people are going to get really excited about to come back to, we have a release date for Beetlejuice 2, starring Michael Keaton, Jenna Ortega, Winona Ryder is, I do believe, also in it, as is Alec Baldwin. Um, haven't seen whether or not Gina Davis is coming back. Have seen that, uh, rumor has it that Catherine O'Hara is back. Oh, wait, maybe she hasn't been confirmed. But what we do know is that Beetlejuice 2, which will be, and now I'm trying to find the damn date, uh, will be released in 2024. Um, September 6th, 2024, just in time for Halloween season. Um... we'll see the return of Michael Keaton's ghost with the most I saw Beetlejuice in the theater on new uh, gosh got a, a bajillion years ago I loved it I, I loved when Tim Burton was good um, Tony has pictures of them Does, are they actually confirmed or is that just where's that from oh no, yeah Gina Davis is in okay because it because the first thing is if you're gonna bring this back you got to bring the whole cast back Like that's still alive. Like the cast that's still with us needs to come back. Um, Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp's in it. Yeah. But why though? I mean, I guess he could be in it in a cameo or what? Because Tim Burton puts Johnny Depp in everything. Um, That's why. Uh, Willem Dafoe is apparently in it as well.
3: Willem the fucking Dafoe. Yeah. That dude is busy.
4: William Pod,
2: just so you know, from now on on the show, I would like to propose an amendment to the bylaws. <laughs> Forever, forth and forward, William Defoe shall be known as William DeFucking Defoe.
4: I thought it was just DeFucking Foe. Willem DeFucking
3: Foe? Willem DeFucking Defoe, yes. I, I, oh, we
4: got we to have both does. All right. Um... So, I have fond memories of Beetlejuice. Uh, Again, I'm probably going to be interested in seeing this movie. Do we need a Beetlejuice 2? This is
2: one of my favorite movies of all time. You guys know that this is my Halloween movie that I watch every year, right? Like, I have this. I have Planes, Trains for Thanksgiving. I have Home Alone and Elf for for Christmas. Um, This... (laughs) What? What's wrong? Pa- Patrick hates Elf. What? We know this, so that's okay. I mean, Patrick likes Scrubs, and I like Elf, so that's a fine. We, we're we're friends still. We're still friends. Um, I, 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 listen. Tim Burton's doing it, and I I have faith in him. Um, I the whole cast is back. I mean, there. This is going to be good. I'm gonna I'm gonna be the one that says that this is going to be good, mainly because.
4: I fucking hope this is good. You You really want it to be good.
2: Yeah, I do. I do. And, uh, to be honest, I would, I would, man, it's a tough bet. It's a tough bet, but I think enough, the fact that you have all these people and it's basically the story of, um, what's her, what's, what's the daughter's name in the movie?
3: Um, Lydia.
2: It's her daughter. Jenna Ortega's playing her daughter, basically. Right. So it's interesting. It should be interesting what they do and how they do it. Michael Keaton's having a hell of a run here, hey? He,
4: he is. Big resurgent. Pays.
3: Please, <laughs> you mean Pays.
4: Flash star Michael Keaton?
2: Sorry. You're love the Flash. I can't wait for you to come on here. I can't go, wait oh, to hate, 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 hate that, that movie, movie so
3: hard. That's right.
2: I wanted to hate it so bad. But Tony for the, the record,
3: right. don't let that movie be bad. And Patrick, come back and review that thing. Oh, my God.
4: Um, I'm sure that I will forget all of Ezra Miller's transgressions, just like that producer said in an interview, which is just the dumbest <laughs> fucking thing to say. You're just mad about that right now. I'm just
2: saying, you're going to come on here and go, it was a good movie.
4: Maybe I will. We'll see uh, in a couple weeks, in a few weeks. Um, Ray, what are, what are your feelings for... Beetlejuice. Like, I, I like, I'm, I'm kind of a sure I'll see it, but am I really passionate about it?
3: Not, not particularly. First off, let me say, just because of the age situation, I, I'm, I'm more fond of the, of the cartoon Beetlejuice than the movie. I remember the cartoon saying, quite I really well. Like, the cartoon was fun, it was hilarious. I, I like the movie. I'm not saying I don't like the movie, but it just didn't resonate with me like it should have because I was so young. Yep. I'm not against the idea of a movie My issue, my, number one I don't see why we need it, but that's All of Hollywood now My issue was Jenna Ortega and, and my issue when we brought This up the first time we talked about this Gizmodo, which is the article Which you're referencing, who wrote it The very first line of the article Says, Jenna Ortega Clearly unafraid As being typecast as the spooky Golf girly, right. back on the Big stream for Beetlejuice 2 and that's my fear. This girl is too young and too ultra talented. She will run Hollywood in five years at the rate she's going. To keep playing the same style of role and get typecast into that 21, 22, 23 years old. Yep. But Ray, That's my but only two, fear for her.
2: Well, Ray, one of two things was going to happen either way. She was already known as that type of actress or actor, whatever, however you want to put it. Mm-hmm. She's either going to break out of that or not. Why not pick up the check and get known for an iconic role in in the process? Look at who she's working with here.
3: Well, I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why because this is the most important part of her career. So the things you do will be you'll be this is what you'll be remembered for the next 20 years. Remember, Jenna Ortega's is a Disney kid. Right? Like me and my kids watched her on uh, Stuck in the Middle. That was her show. She's a Disney kid. So she's already broke out of that because y'all didn't even probably didn't even know that. So I broke out of that with Wednesday, cool. And scream, give credit to the scream movies because she's in that too, right? But that's goth horror. I Maybe mean, not scream so much, but you get the idea. And your next big role is another goth horror. Like I don't know Juice is in a horror movie, but you get the idea I'm trying to say. Right. Again, get the get the bag. I'm not tripping on the bag because like. Back that trick up now. Now you've grown, so now that money go to you and not your mama. But I'm just saying, if you really want to really grow your career the way that you can, and I hope you should want to, you can't keep playing the same roles. Because when you turn 30 and, like, you trying to get big... I know this is a horrible comparison, but I look at my boy uh, uh, Key. <laughs> I look at my boy Key from um, um, Indiana Jones and all this, and now... Anywhere, yeah, Ki Hui uh, and where Ki-Hui Kwan. I didn't want to say his last name wrong. Thank you. And look at... He was typecast as the, the Asian kid in all these movies, and then ain't nobody wanted to touch him for 20 years. And now, again, he's rightfully killing it like he always could have and should have. And I'm not saying she's in 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 threat of this happening to her. But when you get typecast that early, it is hard to break out of. Look how hard it is for these people to break out of being the Disney kid or yeah. the, the teen sensation. Right? And she got lucky because this generation, people, nobody watched Duck in the Middle like that. So people didn't know her as the Disney kid. I just, I'm terrified for her. And maybe I'm being way too... You know,
4: no, it's not an unreasonable thing to talk about because it is something that we've seen happen play out to actors over time. So, it's it, it is. It's always like you do one, then what's the next one, and, and how does that go? And so, it's you could. I'll, I'll make a Harry Potter uh, comparison. You could either be, Great, yeah. you could either be Daniel Radcliffe or you could be Rupert Grant. And Rupert Grant has been very open about how challenging it was post Harry Potter to do anything because of his his work on Harry Potter. Daniel Radcliffe immediately went into start doing like art indie films that were really challenging and really pushed away. Like I remember he was still doing Harry Potter movies when he then did the stage production of, of Equus, which, you know, was this big controversy because there's male nudity and, you know, Daniel Radcliffe was going to be nude in this, in this stage production. So it is, it's a very challenging thing to do. Um, and so, for Jenna Ortega's sake, I hope that, that that it doesn't happen to her. I don't know that it will or that it won't, but I, I see what you're saying. Last thought, I Tony, and then we're going to go to commercial. I think she'll be fine. And Tony think thinks mind, she'll be fine.
3: He showed off his magic wand.
4: There you go. All right. In the
3: world of Rupert Grants and Daniel Radcliffe, Emma Watson.
4: Who now has stepped away from acting because she's tired of it, which respect to her. Because she can do that. Anyway, we're gonna take our second commercial break. When we come back, we will do a little bit of updating on the writer strike and then talk about a big content change for Disney Plus. Before we head into our recorder commercials, just want to remind you all that if you love Bandwagon Nerds, if you love the Chair Shot Radio Network and the ChairShot.com, head over to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot and invest in one of our mini shirt designs. They are very reasonably priced at $19.99. But if you want something that feels nice on your giblets, a little fancier, then spend a few dollars more. Get it soft style. Please and thank you. Thank you. And please again, ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot. When we come back, rider strike update and some big content news for Disney. Plus, you are listening to Bandwagon Nerds on the ChairShot Radio Network, a part of the ChairShot.com. Promotional
3: consideration paid for by the following.
4: Hey folks, PC Tony here. Thanks to our new partnership with
2: Angry Lemonade, you can save 10% on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code ChairShot. Head to angrylemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services. Use the promo code ChairShot to save 10%. That's angrylemonade.net.
4: All right, welcome back everyone to Bandwagon Nerds. We have had all kinds of fun discussions so far today. Been a great episode, fellas. Time to talk about some unpleasantness impacting us in the entertainment industry and the entertainment world right now. Still under a writer's strike. Writers Guild of America still uh, picketing, asking for a mere 3%. And it's really one of those things when you think about it. What they're asking for, that corporate studios won't agree with because they're asking for $500 million spread across nearly 12,000 writers for 3%? It's, it seems ridiculous that we've come this far. Uh, one of the things I did want to highlight, though, is some of the news bits that we're seeing of, of folks who aren't necessarily quote-unquote writers that have been going out of their way to show support for people on the picket lines. And so I thought I'd start there before we start... Digging into more things that are um, canceled, and I, I read one other thing that I think is important to, to to note, and really is kind of the meat and guts of this week's writer statement, uh, writer strike statement. Um, you know, this week news came that uh, Maya Malik is walked off of the Jeopardy set in solidarity of the Rider strike. That um, what's his name? Uh, I can't remember his name. That Ken it. Ken Jennings is going gonna, is gonna to just take over the hosting duties while she supports the, the writers on, on the other side of the picket line. Uh, myself, Bob Odencourt, uh, Bob Odenkirk uh, has been out there picketing with everyone as well. My variant. My variant. Jay Leno, uh, who did this in the last writer strike as well, but has uh, been seen bringing breakfast to picketers as well.
2: Morning. I get up in the morning and then I look at my chin, make sure it's real big, and then I go pick up some donuts wearing denim and I deliver them to the writers.
4: Okay, and what's that? It's Jay,
2: they're close. Jay Leno and Mike Tyson. Is get away. It's almost the same. Yeah, thing. I was. I was
4: just gonna. I was. I was play. Let him. Let him. Let him have his moment. Um, and the other one that I noted that I just kind of loved was uh, Mandy Patinkin, who was on the picket line holding up a sign that was quoting his uh, Iniego Montoya character from uh, Princess Bride, except instead of, um, you killed my father, it was, you'll, you'll pay our writers. Uh, and just, uh, it was really, really good. But I just think it's important that folks recognize that this isn't just some money grab, necessarily, from these writers. And that they seem to have, for the most part, pretty strong support from the greater Hollywood community at large, and that is a, a good thing that hopefully moves this forward. Tony, you had a thought.
2: As a perspective on how long to expect this to last in 2007, 2008, November to February, it was a 100-day strike, and then in, uh, back in '88, it was like 153 days. so Terrific, by we'll by see way. what happens. Terrific. We'll see.: how, how. We talked about this before. You know, it's summer. A lot of these people have content built up already so we'll, we'll see what happens uh, i imagine i'm not so surprised if this doesn't last until like you know training camp for football and we'll see by week one of the nfl yeah you know how september, bad they want august to, september
3: you know, I, I just sports content going the rest of the way <laughs> i um couple quick thoughts number one i love that jay Leno portion because if there's anybody who should be supporting these people more than anybody? It's all of the late night hosts, because they oh, yeah. and they are, and and, yeah. and they are. You're right to your point because their entire everything about them is ultra dependent on the writers because they're nightly. So that so I, so that's great to hear that. Even though Jay Leno isn't even on late night anymore. Secondly, no this to my Alec, but I'm glad she walked off because I don't like her as a host anyway. <laughs> oh, sorry, harsh. third, I'm in but I appreciate what she's doing because she's been in this game long enough to really have some clout from Blossom to now. Like, So give her her credit. I appreciate it. Number three, my favorite person you didn't mention was Brett Goldstein. Yep. And if you know Brett Goldstein... As a writer himself, a writer too. Writer yeah. yeah. And like had to audition for the role of Roy Kent. So now that he's still this, I think, forgive my hyperbole, this legendary character, he's a writer at heart. So those are the people I think that can make some clout in this. The ones that are stars, but like, your people like, I know she's, I don't, I haven't seen anything from her, but she's a perfect example of this too. Your Issa Rays, People who are stars of their show, but are ultimately a writer at heart and still write for the show. I right. think they have the clout because ultimately they can hold the studios up. Yeah. I know there's not another, another season of Ted Lasso. I know it's not. But let's say hypothetically it was. You're telling me if Brendan Hunt and Brett Goldstein said, no, we're not doing season four until you fix this shit. You're telling me that that's not going to put some pressure behind, yeah. maybe not the pressure to kill it, but you think NBC's not going to think about this for a second and be like, we need to really work on this.
4: Well, let's, uh, you know, and I'll put out some other names there that we haven't heard, but that I know by the fact that the show isn't running or it has, has halted production that they are supporting. Ben Stiller. Ben Stiller is a major writer on the television show, a show that I love on Apple TV plus called severance and mm-hmm. severance has halted. Uh, it's, it is, it was already facing some delays anyway, but they, uh, they stopped and have held up and, and because people are refusing to cross the picket line and, and the WGA we shut down production. So they're, you know, they're under a halt. And I know that Ben Stiller as a writer, um, of that show and a producer of that show, I I would venture to guess. I don't know, but I would venture to guess that he's in support of it. Uh, another two guys we just I we talked about him earlier in the show. I would hope that Matt Damon and Ben Affleck okay, would yeah. we would do some some level of support given the way that they, their career trajectory took off as writers of Goodwill Hunting. Uh,
3: they, they have a new production company called Artist Equity, which right. is supposed to evenly distribute money among everybody involved in the movie. So right. that, yes, there would be great well, front people for this.
4: And one of the great stories that we didn't talk about with Air that I think is important is that they, as were many of the other collaborative folks, were very intentional in their support of the writer of the original script for Air and made it a point that only that person received the writing credit for that movie, even though they, even though the writer themselves was like, "Look, people change this thing left and right and everywhere." So it's interesting you
2: bring that up because there are some projects that are moving forward with finished scripts that can't right. be changed now because right. of this.
4: Yeah, absolutely. I, I know. Um, I would say like House of the Dragon, I think is one. Uh, yeah. Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power was one. Like some some. Pretty popular, known stuff. Deadpool. Deadpool, yep. That was finished. That script was finished. Script was finished, but like they can't do rewrites. But like
2: Ryan Reynolds can't really, you know, do as much ad lib stuff.
4: Right. It makes it, it makes it, it does make a big difference. One of the other things that came up out of this today, though, and was a statement that I found was released by the WGA. And another thing that we didn't talk about in terms of their concerns and why they are striking is uh, AI. And this was, I thought this was a really interesting p- statement. So I'm actually going to read it in full. It's three paragraphs, so bear with me. The WGA's proposal to regulate use of material produced using artificial intelligence or similar technologies ensures the companies can't use AI to undermine writers' working standards, including compensation, residuals, separated rights, and credits. AI can't be used as source material to create MBA covered writing or rewrite MBA-covered work, and AI-generated text cannot be considered in determining writing credits. Our proposal is that writers may not be assigned AI-generated material to adapt, nor may AI software generate covered literary material. In the same way that a studio may point to a Wikipedia article or other research material and ask the writer to refer to it, they can make the writer aware of AI-generated content. But, like all research material, it has no role in the guild-covered work, nor in the chain of title in the intellectual property. It is important to note that AI software does not create anything. It generates a regurgitation of what it's fed. If it's been fed both copyright-protected and public domain content, it cannot distinguish between the two. The output is not eligible for copyright protection, nor can an AI software program sign a certificate of authorship. To the contrary, plagiarism is a feature of the AI process.
2: How much should we pay Bob Odenkirk to read that for
3: you? <laughs>
4: he was expensive because he's, he's currently not crossing the picket line. But I got to be honest, this was, until I read this statement today. Like, I, like, in an arena, I'm like, yeah. Because what what's really popular right now? Like, what is something... We joke about doing this all the time. Like, I told this to Tony, one of the segments I kind of wanted to do on the reg with Aesop, because we did it on the show once, it's kind of a gag, is just giving him random shit to put into chat GPT and see what it, what it produces.
2: Is, is this not one of the biggest signals to the end of the world you've ever seen in your life? The fact that... We've been talking about how no one can tell a new story and we may be looking at a future where we rely on a computer to tell us new stories because we've
3: become that inept. It makes me think of Wally, And I know I'm way out the window. I'm not trying to say we're there, but I just think we are in a world now where we rely more and more on technology. And I work in technology, so I'm hypocritical saying this but where we uh, are more contingent and, and need technology more and more and more, that now we've heard middle America for years say robots in, and, and uh, automation are taking our jobs. Well, it's, it's happened to the Hollywood elites now too, right? Where it, it's possibly taking their jobs. I mean, Doug, we're, we're, get, we're, we're getting to the point Where company We already got to the point in the pandemic Where companies realized I don't really need you in the office to be productive Not getting to the point where I don't know if I need you in the office Or working because I can maybe get something For free, pay this software And this licensing fee I can do your job just as good And I know again this is very, very We're in the very very early stages of this But yeah man this is something that can be really concerning Especially when your job is Contingent on this and then the the so that's a, a major issue that's popped up, but popped up, but then these licensing deals that these companies or these uh, studios signed these writers to, where well, they can't write on multiple shows, but then you only want them to write. you want them to have AI stuff, and then they can only write for like one episode, and then they're stuck for nine weeks but it's just it's so unfair how they're treating these guys but the number one driver of 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 media is visual. So what what, what do you expect these guys to do?
4: I I don't know. Uh, fight fight for their ability to 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 get their fair piece of the pie. So I, I'm hoping that is is a thing that that is paid attention to because you're, you're right. Um, and yeah, we do. We absolutely complain about how there's no new content out there in the world and yet here we are fighting is it sorry my allergies are acting up a little bit um all right last story that i have on my to-do list uh was going back to that uh wednesday disney earnings call where ceo bob Iger made a pretty significant announcement when he shared that the company is planning to combine Disney Plus and Hulu content into, quote, a one-app experience by the end of 2023. However, each service will remain available separately. He said, while we will continue to offer Disney Plus, Hulu, and ESPN Plus as standalone options, this is a logical progression of our direct-to-consumer offerings That will provide greater opportunities for advertisers while giving bundle subscribers access to more robust and streamlined content, resulting in greater audience engagement and ultimately leading to a more unified streaming experience
2: this means that they're going to put everything on the bundle and the bundle is going to be the streaming, which basically is Disney plus is going to house all of this stuff. It's their biggest thing, right? Like I have all of these and I don't have them in the bundle. This is going to get people like me to switch to the bundle and eventually phase out each section, right? They don't want to hard force people away from spending money, but they will over the course of time after this becomes successful, because what's going to happen is, in this thing, you're going to be able to access each thing and the best of each thing and probably more content that's available individually as well. So these are three powerhouses that have been working together for a while. And if you didn't know, you could get Hulu, ESPN Plus, and Disney Plus for less money by doing it together, then you're missing out.
3: But didn't, didn't, didn't what Patrick just read say that you could still get them individually?
2: Right. And what I'm saying is they're not going to immediately tell people to stop spending money, you know, that aren't willing to go up to the bundle price from an individual thing. They're going to phase that out over the course of time as that drops
3: and dwindles down. Right. So. So personally, I don't like it. I'm going to tell you why I don't like it, because. Going into Disney Plus feels like going into a. A target. But going into Hulu always felt like going into a grocery store.
2: It's going to all look like Peacock eventually, let me tell you.
3: Right, and I don't like that. But what I mean is and either I, know, I. I know that they ultimately are the same stuff. I know Disney Plus specifically has the big fly. I get that. And Hulu, they're both streaming services of similar things. But Hulu had a different feel to me because it was more content Driven talent, content, driven content, uh, that creative driven content, if that makes sense. And it just, had, it just had different things. I liked that it felt different. If you had to go to Hulu for this, you had to go to Disney Plus for this. Also, personally, I hate the layout of Disney Plus. The only positive of Disney Plus in the layout is you got the big five in the top. If I want to go to Disney stuff, I click on Disney, want to go to Marvel or that, whatever. But the rest of it, I hate. And now you got to add Hulu to the top of that. <laughs> And then FX, and then blah blah blah, and this and that. And what if you got Hulu with the live TV? How does that work? I just I, I don't understand why companies think that merging is better. Like Warner Brothers and Disney haven't that hasn't taught you that this is a disaster. So
4: how do I say this? Um, well, let's be blunt. Here's why they're doing it. Because it's going to allow them to up the cost of subscriptions and offset the cost that they've lost. Because here's what was interesting about that quarterly earnings call that didn't get talked about in this article. Has been glossed over everywhere else. Disney Plus lost subscribers. Disney Plus, uh, like many other streaming offerings... Numbers are, are plateauing and going going down, and so Disney and Disney owns what is it? They own something like sixty seven percent of Hulu. Uh, they got it out, don't they? They they, they with a no, they have a five point eight billion dollar deal that will allow it to buy NBC Universal's remaining thirty three percent share in twenty twenty four. So they don't own it all yet. Um, so they're going to have, they're going to have both of them at some point in a way. So what's going to happen is kind of what Tony described. They're going to grandfather you into a merged experience, just like they're doing with Max. You have HBO Max, and then you had Discovery plus, And just one day, here is this revolutionary new thing called Max. And I'm sure Disney and Disney Plus, the plus will mean plus ESPN plus Hulu. Like that's what it's going to become.
2: Yeah, just like C A plus S as in dollar
3: signs, H2O, Rick. Right. Get the fuck out of here. Also, you know, you, low-key, you know one of the worst things about Disney Plus is? What's that? They don't, have, they don't have enough new shit.
4: Well, I don't know if they don't have enough new shit. It's that they, do they have enough new shit that we want to watch?
3: That may be part of it, because
4: like I yeah. see a lot, of, I see a lot of stuff that's like new to Disney Plus, and I'm like, well, I don't want to watch this. I'm not really into this. i do not. That's fair. I mean, listen, that's isn't fair. it? Isn't it enough that they have all of the
2: Simpsons, Star Wars, and Marvel? <laughs> they have all. They do. No, it's not enough. They.
4: Okay, guys, you gotta remember.
2: Nothing's on anything. Honestly, I'll go to Disney Plus because they have. They,
4: they're threat. just trying to continue to build that war chest to fight Ron DeSantis in Florida. That's really what this is all about. Because the other thing that's announced, the other thing that's announced is that Disney Plus's subscription ad free tier is going to go up to like that price is going to go up from ten ninety nine a month. So, again, inevitably, we will be playing this money to our Disney overlords. The other thing I think is really interesting about Disney Plus is they have ESPN Plus content on it as part of the subscription. They just sort of roll it out in later dates. Like, 30 for 30s are available on Disney Plus, but you can't get the most current ones unless you have the ESPN Plus subscription. Where I would love to have the ESPN Plus roll in is to be able to catch some of that college live live college sports content. That exists like, um, so I went to school at an OVC, an Ohio Valley conference school. Their games are typically, if covered by the ESPN family of networks, which many of those mid-major conferences are, they're not available on watch ESPN as they've solely filtered that content away. It's an ESPN Plus option. Same thing with sort of off the beaten path college sports. So... For me, there is some content benefits if this happens and goes through, even if it does come at a slightly higher price. But again, eventually, it's it's going to go there. And I think, Ray, I think it's going to it's going to be like a hub to a hub. So I think when you sign in, you're going to see all three, and you got to pick. And then when you pick, that might take you to this. At least that's how I would do it. Now, of course, since I've said that, it will be done that way because that makes sense. So we'll have to see. But if it gives me the opportunity to catch a lot of stuff I have not I have, intentionally missed on hulu because i don't want another subscription service like that's a win for me as bad as it sounds
3: i'll tell you what you said makes sense but i can't tell you from a technical perspective how stupid it's going to be if you have one splash site disney plus hulu and espn you click on espn and it takes you to espn well or something like i i get you i understand i
4: i know i know i know i know
3: Yeah, but I I get it. Money, it's all about money, and I get it. If you can make more money by spending less bandwidth, do it. Let me me explain
2: more, like, because this is perfect from what you brought up, about what I meant when I said it's going to look like Peacock. Because when you go to Peacock, it's basically NBC exclusive because it's all about NBC, right? And you have to dial over and down to, say, WWE Network. It's going to be... Whatever is the best things that are going on, and other things specific category-wise, you're going to have to dial into. Is it the worst thing in the world? No, it's definitely not. But nothing's ever going to be the WWE network again, fellas.
3: Can't put the right. two can't put the toothpaste back in the tube.
2: I mean, sometimes it sucks itself back in, but yeah, once it's out, generally. What type of
3: toothpaste you
4: fuck it with? Oh jeez. I mean, sometimes it's just. All right. Interesting. I think that's a fair place to end this discussion. We're gonna make our way out of here. Good show, fellas! Ah, one hour and forty-seven minutes. Solid runtime. Talked about some different stuff. Um, one other thing, I, I did want to p- pitch something—a uh, podcast I, I learned about this week that I—oh yeah—have no idea that I would like as much as I would as I liked. It's not on the Chairshot.com, so sorry, Greg. Sorry, uh, Captain. But, uh, yeah, um,
2: Ray DP and I discussed like other good podcasts to listen to. Oh, besides radio. I think,
4: I think, I think one of my new favorite games right now is to talk about Conrad Thompson to great because he can't stand anything that dude does now. And uh, so it's just fun nice. to bring him up. But anyway, um, so I was, I was sitting there sort of floating around listening to catch up and stuff. And this
2: Patrick's like, Hey, guys, we got time. Let's piss some people off.
4: Right. Oh. Um, but uh, no, so it was kind of. I was going through my, my playlist, and I and I came across a suggestion for this podcast called "Hey Dude," the '90s called, and it's a play on the old Nickelodeon show "Hey Dude," hey, because dude. it's hosted by it's hosted by Christine Taylor, who is
2: uh, Ben Stiller's wife.
4: Ben Stiller's wife, Christine Taylor, and David Lasher, who were two of the primary player uh, characters in "Hey Dude." And it's a
2: little wild and a little strange when you make your home out on
4: the range. And so the first uh, two, the first two episodes are uh, about the show. Like the first episode is just the two of them talking about their their experience on the show. It's about thirty minutes long. Where I didn't know this, they dated while doing the show. It was kind. Of, yeah, I was like, oh, look at that. Uh, but then they brought most of the cast back from the show and they talked about what that was like because it was before Nickelodeon was really Nickelodeon. Um, yeah. And now they've started doing, like, the show's been going for a, a, like six months. Uh, but they just bring in folks to talk about shit, projects from the 90s. Uh, and of course, Chrissy, they did have Ben Stiller on and talked about, like, Ben Stiller's career and stuff that he did leading up to his, like in the nineties and just some of the cool stories about that. And like how he loved cable guy and thought it was like this really great project they were working on at a great time. And then it bombed and he really felt like, Oh shit. Well, if this did so bad, it must've been terrible. And, and it took him a long time to like make peace with that. Uh, the current episode I'm listening to right now, apparently Christine Taylor was neighbors with Adam Duritz from the County Crows. So like they're talking about his career Uh, They brought back cast members from a couple of the film projects. So, Christine Taylor was in the Brady Bunch movies, right? So, they brought back a bunch of the Brady Bunch movie cast to talk about the making of that cast and how, like, the original Bradys from the 70s show, like, hated them. uh, Couldn't stand them, apparently, because they thought that the movie was making fun of them personally. Um, There was this movie called White Squall that... uh, um, that david lasher was in that's based on this true story which movie i never even heard about now i want to check out it had jeff bridges in it uh ryan felipe and was like like some kind of some scott wolf and um is based on a true story and they got jeff bridges to like call into this podcast and talk about this stuff i've been really interested in this podcast mostly because i was a, a 90s kid um, slash young adult but it's a great podcast. It's a lot of fun. Most of the episodes are around an hour to an hour and a half tops. Worth giving a listen. So, all right. Sorry. Yes, I wasted a little bit of extra time. No, but really feel like it's a podcast we'll worth checking out. And it's my show, those so I was going to do it anyway.
3: Those podcasts are fun. Because there's a lot of those out right now. Um, more so like with old cast reviewing their old shows. Yeah. Like I know they got the... Um, Ryder Strong, Will Friedel, and um, Topanga—God, uh, what's her real name? Daniel Fischel—they got their show reviewing Boy Meets World. Uh, super popular. The crew from There's Declassified—they're back on.
4: Oh, I They're listened on. to yeah, I listened to Fake Doctors Real Friends, which is a uh, is Zach Braff and scrubs, Donald Zach Faison
3: says. talking about Scrubs, like uh, every episode. What's the other one that's pretty popular. That has like, there's
4: one on there's one with uh. The two women from The Office that, that talk about The Office in kind of the same okay. way.
3: Yeah, like those things are really popular right now. Yeah, I, it makes sense because it is. You know, and it's interesting
4: because it's yeah. really a lot about like talking about how these, you know, how, how the salad is made or how the sausage is made. It's pretty good.
3: That's it. Um, they got a, a pod with somebody reviewing uh, Saved by the Bell with Mark Paul Gossler because he's never watched the show. Really? All these years, he's never watched the show. That's going to be rough, I got I f- I f- f- to find that one. one. Yeah. The first few is going to be rough for him, I would imagine. Oh, yeah. But, he, but he's aware of the um, um, uh, Zach Morris's Trash um, YouTube channel. So, like, and he knows he was a shitty character. <laughs> he right. knows this. So, like, seeing him actually watch the shows is going to be so dope. So, yeah, like, th- that's another one that's pretty cool, too.
4: So, all right. Anyway, nice. Thank you for the diversion. I appreciate you indulging me. Um <laughs> let's let's wrap up. Let's uh head on out of here. Before we do that, though, let's do a quick once-around, like we always do. Remind everybody how they can find you on the socials and on the Chair Shot Radio Network. We will start this week with uh the birthday boy. PC Tunny, may your birthday be blessed. I hope it was wonderful.
2: Yeah, I worked all day. <laughs> Yeah, that's what 42 looks like. No big deal. Um, Follow me at PC Tunney. Actually, I will, since we talk about nostalgic shows and things of that nature, actually plug DWI for once. We're going to bring back reviewing Seinfeld this week. We're in the middle of uh, season four. We're going to be doing The Bubble Boy. Check it out.
4: Very nice. Reverend Ray Cash.
3: You know, I I joke about at this point of, of when I give my Twitter but genuinely i want y'all to go to at the real C Plat and wish bash a happy birthday shout out to my boy bash for his first birthday that's what i want you to do instead of following me next week you can follow me again but right now go at chris tell his him and his kid happy birthday man because we those of us who have kids you understand what that first birthday means to somebody so shout out to them
4: excellent excellent shout out uh you can follow me on the Twitter at Wrestling Realist. That is at W-R-E-S-T-L-N-G-R-E-A-L-I-S-T. I am on the Chairshot Radio Network every Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, Monday talking nerdy stuff with these guys. Tuesdays, I'm with David Ungar, generally talking about hockey. This week, of course, you're getting a 5x5 with myself and PC Tunney. Uh, and then on Wednesdays, join me talking wrestling with Greg DeMarco on the Greg DeMarco Show. Make sure you follow the show at bandwagon nerds where my tweet about just the two of us soon became three's company which oh that's what i gotta go change that tweet to thank you oh i brilliant i love me anyway uh follow the show at bandwagon nerds and uh yeah that's gonna do it make sure you get yourself um, out of the basement get some sun and check out a william Defoe film in the near future you have been listening to bandwagon nerds here on the chair shot radio network a part of the